Blog Talk Radio. tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. How many of you have moved? You probably all have moved at some point in our lives. You know, we move at least once, whether to go off to college, job transfer, get married, 
or even if you're just moving to a house that's a mile away, you've still gone through a stressful experience. Moving is actually number three on the top five stressful life events list. So how do you connect when you get to a new location? How do you yourself or how do you help your children get that this is where you belong feeling? And stay tuned. The timing is perfect. Many children are going off to college. And that, too, as exciting as it is, is stressful. So we've got tips that will help with that. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from. So you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energy awareness. My guest, Melody Warnick, has been a freelance journalist for more than a decade. She has written for O, the Oprah Magazine, Red Book, Better Homes and Gardens, Ladies Home Journal, Women's Day, Parents, American Profile, and the Atlantic's City Lab. She is the author of This Is Where You Belong, which is our topic for discussion. So welcome to the show, Melody. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I'm being grateful to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Ah, you're welcome. You know, your book is witty and informative, and it is a necessity where, to be quite honest with you, I did not know there was a need. I truly did not get that. So, you know, I, I found it interesting because I thought I didn't realize this was, I mean, I know it's the number three in the top stressful, you know, life events list, but I just figure everybody's moved, <laughs> you know, so how can it really be a need? What need is there that needs to be fulfilled? So how did you, so everybody's on the same page, tell us how you came to realize that this truly is a need. So I was one of those kids who grew up on the same cul-de-sac in Southern California, never moved once in the first 18 years. And then I went off to college and um, when I graduated from college, I got married and my husband and I moved across the country to Maryland for our first job. And then a couple of years later, we moved back west. And then a couple of years later, we moved to the Midwest for school. And we just started moving every few years, um, you know, for jobs and school. They were always really practical, solid reasons. But I found that when we were in that season of moving, of packing up, it became completely all-encompassing. This was mm. all we thought about, you know, breathed, slept, um, worrying about this move and about transferring our lives to a new city. But even more than that, even when we weren't in the middle of a move, I found that I was kind of constantly thinking about the next place. Where were we going to go next? And would it be better? And how would our lives be different? In this, in this next spot, um, our most recent move um, was from Austin, Texas to Blacksburg, Virginia. And we moved with every hope in the world that this was going to be the place. We were going to love it. Um, 
And then we got here and realized kind of like always that no city is perfect and neither was this town. And there were things about it that were a challenge for us. And I started to feel really lonely and disconnected. The move was chaotic and overwhelming. And I wanted to know what is that process that people go through when they want to feel more connected and at home in a town where they live. Um, Like you mentioned, all of us have moved. So it's something that most of us have experienced and yet we don't really think about what the nuts and bolts of it are. Mm, That's true. And your book actually addresses that quite well because in my moves, they were all within probably I'm going to guess like a 20 mile radius from where I grew up. And so that wasn't bad at all. Yeah, you were in a new town, but it was still the same state. There wasn't as much to do. And my moves were more, uh, you know, we, we just, it was for investment purposes, you know, buy a house, sell a house, and then go ahead and buy a bigger house and sell that house and go ahead and buy another one and sell that one too. And, and that's what everybody should be doing (laughs) for any realtors who are out there. Here's a plug for you. But we did do one move (laughs) that was from Massachusetts to New Jersey. And, I said, okay, well, I don't have to learn anything because I'm not going to be here long. That was, how many years ago was that now? That was 13 years ago, <laughs> and uh, I'm still right. here, and I'm well-rooted now. But it it is horrible to move further than your familiar area. It is horrible. And although I knew that when I read your book and I knew what I had been through and I just thought this is the worst thing in the world. I, I mean, I had horrible experiences here. When I went to my mailbox and a woman was walking by and I had just moved in and the mailbox was just installed and, and I could finally not have to go to the post office and I got my mail and she was walking by with her dog and I said, hi. And she looked at me and I said, I just moved in. And she said, well, good for you. And I thought, oh. welcome to Jersey. Welcome to Jersey. This is what you, oh my God, I want to go home. I didn't, I didn't Uh-oh. like it. So, yeah, so I could see some of the things in your book. I thought, oh, this is for when you move like further away. <laughs> do right. you think and that's true? Thing, um, I do. I think that moving farther away is harder. Every year, about 12% of Americans move, which is about 36 million of us. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of us are dealing with this. And over a five-year span, 30% of Americans move. We're very mobile, but even um, within those numbers, there's far fewer people who are moving far away. Some of the moves, like you said, are just, you know, you're moving to a bigger house or, you know, maybe you got married or got divorced, and so your housing situation changes. Uh, I think the moves that take you more than 500 miles uh, are far more difficult. On the other hand, all of us live in a town, all of us live in a community, and I feel like the role of place in our lives and in our happiness is something that most of us underestimate. You know, whether you've been in your town for three weeks or 30 years, it may it may just feel like a background landscape and not something that you're thinking about or actively interacting with. So part of what I wanted to do when I wrote This is Where You Belong is make people realize how much place impacts us, how much it contributes to our health and happiness, um, and how much um, control we have over how we feel about our place, um, you know, no matter how long you've lived there. Well, you know, and that's so true. That see, So the book goes well beyond just what do you do, the nuts and bolts of, you know, getting to a place and what you need to do, because 
when when I first got married and we moved into a home and we were in a town, we would drive. We had a commute to work and come home. So you commuted to work. You came home. You were exhausted because it was a 45-minute drive. You, you know, you, you cooked dinner. You did what you had to do. On the weekends, it was all about taking care of the yard, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, whatever. Didn't get involved in anything. Nothing, 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 right. nothing. You know, and I think a lot of people do that when they first get married. It isn't until you have kids that you're forced to get involved because the children have to go to school. So now you're involved in the school and school is no longer just for children. Now the parents are heavily involved. They are helping. Yeah. They have to help with homework. And it's like, who's going to school here? You know, go to do you do the schoolwork. But <laughs> you, so and you and you have to get involved with other parents and you have to get involved with sports and play dates and all that stuff. So I think that it's also like a phase with life. So I think when you're moving around an area, a familiar, a familiar place, that it's a lot easier because you become, you get into these routines. But when you move, now my move was only 350 miles, and and I still hated it. <laughs> still, it wasn't the 500, but to me it was far away because to me, if you have to drive more than two hours, you're taking a plane, and it's a three and a half hour drive to Massachusetts. <laughs> so I just don't do it. I'm just like, okay, forget it. This is not working for me. I'm not taking a plane. But I just. I think that when people have that total, because when you're moving around, there's usually excitement involved. Even if it's, even if it's a divorce and you have to find a different place, it's a new beginning for both parties. So there is a type of excitement you're, and you have a support group because of the familiarity. But when you're kicked across to Maryland from California, you know, and that was your choice. Nobody said you had to go. Still, that's a huge, huge change in everything in every way in culture even even though we're in the same country it's still a cultural change yeah and the interesting thing about it is like you said there for any move there's some excitement involved and I was prone to this kind of magical thinking about the move where no matter where we were going I always convinced myself that you know, this was going to be it. This was going to be the place where I would finally be happy and fulfilled and become my best self and all that. Um, you know, I call that the geographic cure, this idea that, you know, you're just going to find the right place and it is going to complete you somehow. Um, and a lot of us kind of think like that. Um, you know, how many people daydream about moving to New York City? Maybe not you because you're in New Jersey and you probably, right. you know, are, are over I that, know what's in New York City. I'm not going right. there. <laughs> you're like, this is not a big deal. But, you know, you grow up in the Midwest and you're like, oh, if only I can get to the city. Or you have people who live in cold areas who dream about warm areas and stuff like that. So a lot of us kind of have in our minds that a place is going to make life um, instantly better for us in some sort of inexplicable way. Um, and sure, the, similar, the trip, similar, similar to women who think, well, if I find a man, my problems will be solved. It's the same exactly. type of thinking. Yeah. 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 It is, you know, and it's just like that, you know, magic quick fix that, you know, I'm just going to discover this perfect place and I'm going to move there and everything's going to be different. And, in some ways, that's true. Everything is different about your life when you move a long distance. You know, you are shopping in completely different stores. You are, you know, possibly eating different food or wearing different clothes or, you know, everything about your daily life is different. Um, but in some ways, you know, uh, that can make it more challenging to feel at home within yourself. Like, you have that moment of feeling like, 
my life has been completely upended. I feel lost, you know, literally and metaphorically. Uh, and you need to do certain things to develop a relationship with your town, to feel like this is someplace you want to be and um, that uh, a fit for your life and someplace you belong. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, you are a self-proclaimed chronic mover. So a lot of what you are talking about is based on experience, but you also, you certainly did your research and, when you were doing your research, did you find that you met others who were struggling as well? Because, for instance, my move to New Jersey, there was a particular person who would constantly make fun of me because I had a Boston accent. And she had a, an extreme Jersey accent. I mean, extreme. And I thought, she doesn't hear it. She does not hear her accent. And nobody else around here really has that extreme a Jersey accent because there's a lot of nomads, I refer to us as, people who are moving about all the time. So you're Mm -hmm. getting people from different parts of the country. But when you're in a place long enough, you'll begin to pick up the, you know, the the local sayings. And, I mean, I'm always saying, oh, that's wicked cool. And people are like, you're from Boston, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm proud of it. And and I'm like, why do people think Wicked's from Boston? It was on TV long before it was from Boston. And uh, we just happened to like it and picked it up. But, you know, some of the th- the sayings you'll pick up, even the speech, because I, I remember I said to my husband, we have to have an agreement here. If we start talking Jersey, we have to tell each other, so we stop. And he said, okay. <laughs> and we do. And the other day he said something like, you know, the water. And I said, the water? And he goes, the water. And I said, that's correct. And I was like, it's not water. or however. I don't even know how they say it. I can't say it, you know. But I didn't want You're to. You're saving to each go- other from going down that road. Yeah, I because, I mean, there are, I've had friends who have moved to the South, and now they're coming back speaking, you know, y'all. And I'm like, no, not y'all. Are, are you all going? It's not y'all. We're not from the South, you know. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. I've, um, you know, I've lived in the South for, I guess, six years combined. It was a couple years in Texas, and we've lived in Virginia now for four years. And every so often I try to say y'all, and I immediately get shut down by my daughters who just say, no, you, you cannot get away with that. And probably the reason is, um, you know, I grew up in California and I never knew that I had a Valley girl accent until I went away to college in, in Utah. And all of a sudden I was being mocked for it regularly. And it's something, ah. you know, it very much is that thing where you sort of, you know, meld into your environment and you don't even notice you're the the fish who doesn't see the water they're swimming in because it's all around you. Um, And it's not perhaps until you leave that you suddenly miss all these things that were a huge part of your life before. Um, Yeah. Researching the book, I've talked to a lot of people who are in that boat, both people who have moved away from a hometown, you know, a place where, they really feel comfortable and at home and like they belong and um, they need to make it work elsewhere. And also people who want to leave their hometown and, um, you know, are trying to find where to go. So I mostly wanted to write a book that kind of gave some encouragement to people who were not necessarily in the place they wanted to be long-term. You know, some of us have a little more control than we once did about where we live. There are people who are, you know, digital nomads, people who can work from anywhere. And so they can choose where they want to be. And that's a great privilege. Um, There's still plenty of us who go where the job 
takes us or who need to be in a certain location because of family or schooling or whatever. And you may not just feel like this is it, but you hack at work. And that's the good news is you can make it work. One of the things that came out in the research that I did um, is this concept of place attachment, which is the emotional bond that you develop with your town, you know, the place that you live. And there was a lot of research about um, behaviors that led to or were correlated with this feeling. And so I kind of, you know, being a non-scientist, being a lay person, I came to the conclusion that if, um, you know, action A led to that feeling of place attachment, I could also, you know, reverse engineer it and I would do those behaviors and uh, actions that had been correlated with that feeling and see if I could manufacture it. So that's what I set out to do in the town where I live now, Blacksburg, was to make myself fall in love with it, to kind of force myself into this arranged marriage and make it work for me. And that can be difficult to do, too, because when you know you move a lot, if you know that your company or some driving force is, is, is the cause of you moving every three or four years, you do not want to get attached. At least I do not. Because what's the point? I'm going to be moving in three or four years. By the time I settle in, a year has gone by, and now we're talking about moving again, and we're going to be putting the house on the market next year, so why get involved? And that's kind of how I looked at it when I first moved to New Jersey, and it wasn't until I was here for a little while that I thought, well, you're here for the long term, you know? Right. And I've actually talked to um, a lot of military members and military spouses about this exact thing. Yeah. you know, they're in that boat where they get moved to a location that they didn't choose. They have no idea how long they'll be there. You know, maybe it will be six years or maybe it'll be a year. And um, it definitely some of them have expressed this feeling of, like, I don't want to get attached because mm-hmm. it's painful when you have to move. Um, if you've really dug into the community and you've made lots of friends and you feel a part of things and all of a sudden you have to leave that behind, it hurts. Yeah. Which is true, but on the other hand, um, you know, you can't have that attitude in life. You can't feel like I refuse to love anything because it might leave me or I might leave it. You know, I I refuse to enter this relationship because what if it doesn't work out? Um, You know, loving your town is very much like a relationship. It may not last forever, but it can bring you joy while you have it. One of um, the women I talked to for the book, who's a, a childhood friend of mine, her husband's in the Army, and they've moved over and over and over again. And she said she got a piece of advice when she started this life, and she was told, wherever you are, unpack. And the idea was, you know, literally unpack your stuff, you know, put your pictures on the wall, put your clothes in the drawer, no matter how long you're there. But also um, in a more metaphorical sense, you know, settle in, be part of this community. And I've seen her do that. You know, she has friends all over the country. She's had places she's fallen in love with and had to leave. And I think that leaving is always going to be painful, but maybe more painful or at least more empty if you refuse to connect and refuse to attach. And I'll agree with that, you know, and, and I think that 
the good thing that comes out of it is, you know, everything bad that happens, there's good that comes out of it. So when you have to leave these people, she still maintains those friendships. She still has places she can go all over the country where she can meet and talk with people because she knows them. And what an opportunity she would not have had that if she just didn't unpack and sat there and said, well, I'll just wait for the next move. When you unpack and when you are getting involved, you are truly living in the moment. You are living in the present. You are living your life, not just existing. So that is an extremely important thing for people to do because sometimes you don't know. I know that there are people who who I um, have been friends with who have moved to, let's say, like Chicago and only and settled in, bought a house, changed everything, did a, and then a year later something happened and all of a sudden they're moving again and they had no intention of moving no intention of moving it on. They're uprooting the entire family in because of some thing that occurred that they had no control over. And I would think, even though children are adaptable, they're very, very adaptable, I would think that it is more difficult for children to adjust to moving than it would be for adults. Adults kind of take care of all the stuff and the kids follow along, but they're leaving friends behind and, and they've got to make an adjustment. Even army brats, I, I think they get the best education because they get to go all these places and learn these different things. And it's a, it's a whole different level of education. But I think it, realistically for them, a, adjusting to a move would be way more difficult because they're so young and they're trying to find their roots. What is your experience with that, or what did you learn about that from your research? Well, one of the things that made me want to stop moving and settle down was my kids. Um, When we moved to Blacksburg, I had a daughter who was starting kindergarten and a daughter who was starting fifth grade. And the fifth grader uh, was starting her third school in three states. Um, She had been to school to elementary school in Iowa, Texas, and now Virginia. And I felt this deep sense of mom guilt about it. Like I was depriving her of the stable childhood that she had a right to. Luckily, like you said, kids are resilient, but it becomes, it, it definitely takes a toll. And research shows that it becomes even more challenging for older kids. There's a lot of research that shows uh, that adolescents who move tend to have lower grades, they're more likely to drop out of school, they're more likely to get involved in drugs and alcohol, and they're simply um, a little less happy, got fewer friends than kids who move less, all of which, you know, makes sense. Um, And, you know, it's not a, a prison sentence by any means. It certainly doesn't mean that your life is ruined if you move a lot as a kid. My husband had a father who simply changed jobs fairly often. Um, And I can't even remember how many times he moved, but he moved right before the start of his freshman year of high school. And just when he had settled in and finally made friends, they moved again right before the start of his junior year, Um, which is painful. And all the kids still hold it against their parents. Yeah. But he, you know, he turned out to be, relatively normal and a productive citizen of the country. (laughs) Right. Relatively. I'm not saying a hundred percent normal, but um, you know, so it is something that you get through and obviously, you know, sometimes you just don't have a choice about that, but I think that's all the more reason uh, why when you move to a new community and you have children, and especially when you have teenagers, you need to make that uh, concerted effort to become part of the community. And the number one thing on that list would definitely be making friends, finding your tribe. That's 
the thing that above all makes us feel comfortable in a place, makes us feel happy there, makes us feel like we belong. Um, and it's something that, you know, for kids can involve signing them up for summer camps and soccer teams um, and things like that. But there's also a, uh, a big element of simply getting to know the people around you and exploring your neighborhood, you know, making it uh, an adventure. I've um, recommended to people who are in this boat, uh, you know, if you have children, make a point of exploring all the ice cream shops in a 20-mile radius or all the donut shops and, and deciding which one is the best. There are things that you can do to make you know, moving less painful for children and a bit more enjoyable. But I think it's definitely a top-down thing. When parents feel good about it, when they feel excited about it or like they're embarking on an adventure, kids are more likely to, you know, absorb that positive energy um, when parents are really stressed out and distressed and depressed about a move, children will be too. Absolutely. They pick up any energy that you're giving off. So it's best to make it, you know, positive. And I think the thing, too, is that a lot of families when a child is, even if they have multiple children, when the children are in high school, they try all the, the harder to not disrupt that and allow them to graduate from the high school that they've formed bonds with, because it's very difficult to go, especially if you're in sports. Now try getting into a school and being on the team and being the person who's the quarterback or being the head cheerleader. It's really difficult to do that. You know, you might be a big fish in a small pond where you are, but where you move to, you know, it's going to be really hard to get somebody else out of the way so that you can have the glory that you want. I know some people who moved constantly and they just brought the kids up with the fact that, okay, we're here. You know, we're probably going to be here for two or three years. And I remember talking to one of the kids. I think he was like 12 years old. And I said, so you've moved a lot. And he goes, it's what we do. And I said, it's what you do. And he goes, yeah, we move. It's what we do. And I said, okay. And I looked at the mom and I said, it's what you do. And she goes, that's what, that's what we told them. It was easier to say, it's what we do. We just move. It's all good. We're going to meet more people all over the country. It's what we do. We are movers. And I thought that was hysterical. But I thought it was really a clever way to make the kids feel good about it because they look, would look forward to it. And when you said, I was always thinking about the next move. I mean, you know, that's difficult because you're just moving into the place you're into. And now where are we going next instead of being in the moment? But if the kids know, okay, well, we're here for a while. And then the time comes like, you know, two years go by, two and a half years. Well, when are we moving? You know, because that's what we do. But the way he said it, it was like, it's what we do. <laughs> right. That becomes your identity. You know, like we yeah. are good at embracing new towns <laughs> and exploring them. Yeah, I have friends who are in the diplomatic corps and they have five children and they have literally moved all over the world. And they finally got a post in the United States. They lived in Boston for, I think, three years. And wicked cool. Just, <laughs> right. Boston, they were, it was definitely wicked cool. They were so happy. <laughs> And they really loved it. And these are people who know how to embrace their town. You know, they explored everything. They did every tourist thing. They, you know, went to all the beaches and stuff like that. But then, you know, inevitably the time comes when they have to move again. And their son was heading into his senior year of high school when um, this most recent move happened. And they gave him the choice, you know, do you want to stay here and 
finish your senior year, at, you know, in Boston, you can live with some friends, or do you want to come with our family to Indonesia and have this new experience? And he chose to go with them to Indonesia. Um, so, you know, sometimes kids do decide to stay behind, and that's how deep those roots go, that you want to be with your friends and you want to be in your school, and that's easier. But, you know, if you can build a sense of exploration and happiness into this process of moving, then it matters a lot less how often you're doing it. And instead, it matters that you can, you know, get into a new town and become part of it and and love it and feel comfortable with it. And then you can do it again. And it's okay. Yeah, and and make good with what you have, you know, make lemon meringue pie out of the lemon meringues you out of the lemons you feel that you probably have been, you know, had had to take. We are speaking with Melody Warnick, author of This Is Where You Belong. To learn more, please visit her website www.melodywarnick that's m e l o d y w a r n i c k.com. So go ahead and write that down now so you can check it out after the show. You know, one of the things that um comes up in your book is that it's true that relationships with people, you know, good relationships are healthy and they make us happier and we live longer. But sometimes getting to know people is not always easy. And, you know, like the neighbor thing, you live in an area where maybe it's not, you know, a cul-de-sac, maybe it's a busy road and, and all that other stuff that you, you don't have people around you, you know, you don't know anyone. And so it's difficult to make friends and, and do that type of thing, but health comes into this. So it's really important for people to go out and find things, look up what is, you know, if you like to garden, is there a garden club? Is there a master gardening class I can take, get involved in it, um, take a class or get involved in volunteering and doing things like that because, you know, you do want to be healthy while you're doing this, and it's critical that to, to understand that when you're moving, that stress level is going to, it's it's going to hit you. You know, something's going to come from it, and so you need to realize that stress is never good, <laughs> and you need to somehow alleviate it. And you don't want to create more by now being in a place, which is what I did, being in a place where uh, I don't really like it here, and this, you know, quite frankly, it sucked, and I just couldn't figure out <laughs> what I needed to do. And it took me a while, but now I'm so rooted in the community. It isn't even funny. I mean, I met with Assemblyman last week. I'm the uh, the treasurer of the Sussex County Chamber of Commerce. I started a children's foundation just this year. So we're getting that off the ground to help children in need because there are children in need everywhere in this country. It's not just in my area. It's all over the place. So you can do these things by through volunteer work. Did you find that even people who knew they might be moving in three years tended to go out and seek relationships through volunteer work if they weren't like working moms or working dads or if they just, even if they didn't have kids, it was like, did they find something? Did they take something they either liked and resonated with and, and foster it to grow more from that, to become a better photographer or a better gardener or whatever it was? Or did they find things that, oh, yeah, okay, I could volunteer for that group and, and help themselves that way? What did your research lead you to in that vein? There's actually research that showed that when people move, they tended to try and get into the same thing that they had done in their old town. So if you had volunteered in Habitat for Humanity before you moved, chances were good that you would try and do it after you moved or, um, you know, a children's charity or whatever. You would find something similar in your new town, which is a great way to do it. Um, the problem 
that came up is, you know, because you're in a new place and organizations function differently, sometimes it was a disappointing experience. Um, you know, say you're a library fanatic and you had a really great gig volunteering at the library in your old town, and then in your new town they don't need volunteers or their program isn't very well organized. Um, so it does take time. Sometimes it takes a while to find that good fit and that place where you feel like you found your people and um, these are, you know, this is where you want to spend your time. Because it's worth continuing to work on that and, you know, to volunteer at different places until you find something that clicks for you, not only because it means that you're putting yourself in a situation where you have a good chance of getting to know other people who are like-minded and have similar interests, but um, you're learning to care about what your town cares about. Um, you know, I like to volunteer at the library sometimes because I just love books. But there's definitely a difference between volunteering at the library in Iowa, where I used to live, and, you know, volunteering here. Uh, you know, the volunteer gig that I fell into that I really like is volunteering for the local historic movie theater called The Lyric, and it's on our main street here in Blacksburg, and um, they use volunteers for everything from taking tickets to making popcorn to serving drinks. And, you know, it's definitely not a children's charity, and there was a part of me that thought, you know, can't you get involved with something that's, you know, actually usefully helping your town a little more? But the reason I love helping out at the Lyric is because I love the Lyric. You know, I want this to be a thing in my town. I enjoy going there. It's a social center of Blacksburg, and I wanted to be a part of it. And sometimes volunteering or, you know, finding your place in your town is just like that. It's, you know, finding something that you love and helping it survive and thrive. I think it's probably good that in your book, I mean, I like that in your book, each chapter is followed by a love your city checklist. So you explain what you're talking about within the chapter, but then there's a, a checklist afterwards. So people can actually go into that and, you know, create something, read about that, and then say, okay, well, now I have to look at the checklist to see how that would work for me, or eating local food. You know, there were a lot of very good ideas that came from this, you know, volunteering, which we've talked about. Um, some of the things just really, because I think it's hard for people. I think it's especially hard for older people, because when you go to an area, most of the older people already have their friends. And they're not looking to make friends, you know, and it's, I think mm -hmm. it's harder for them to do that, you know, unless you're uh, so much older that, you know, there aren't many of you left anymore. You know what I mean? Like 80 and 90 years <laughs> right. old. No, seriously. Cause I have people who are saying none of my friends are around anymore. And I go, Oh my Narrowing God. Okay. The funnel, yes. 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 But the checklist is really love your city checklists are great because you don't even have to, you can just go to a, a portion of the book and say, okay, I just moved. Now I need to buy that book. Okay. You buy the book. What do you like to do? Well, I like to go out into nature and, and I believe one of your chapters was called commune with nature and I yeah. like to commune with nature. So that was a cool one for me. I like to create. So I liked that chapter as well, but I find that I found that those checklists were very helpful because people don't think this way when they're moving, you've opened up something 
to people, you're offering something to people that they otherwise may not find because they don't think along these lines. At least that's my take. Yeah, I wanted it to be something that was really practical. Um, the way I approached it in my town is I did these love where you live experiments. So yes. you mentioned that, you know, every chapter is kind of about a different idea that is meant to help you create that emotional bond with your city, you know, feel that sense of place attachment. And as I discovered these ideas in the research, I would try and put them to work in my own town. So I found all this research about how getting to know your neighbors can be really beneficial for your health and well-being and can make you feel more attached to your town. And I normally do a terrible job getting to know my neighbors. So as a love where you live experiment, I, you know, made banana bread and took it around to some neighbors and, you know, invited our next door neighbors who are a Sri Lankan family over for dinner. Um, you know, there was uh, a lot of research about the importance of how we feel about nature, that, you know, feeling that your town is aesthetically pleasing is really important in place attachment. And it was something I struggled with when I moved to Blacksburg because it was such a different landscape than I was used to, very densely did. We're in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and um, I felt a little claustrophobic about it. So I needed to do something to make myself feel better about how my town looked. And the thing that I did was get out in nature. Um, there was a program that a local economic development association was running called the Scenic 7, and they were encouraging people to try different hikes. And I decided to do this program, and I would go on hikes in the mountains with my friends. And there was something about being in these woods, having a positive experience in a way that built memories that made me feel completely different about about the flora and fauna of my location. So everything that I did was meant to be something that anyone could replicate wherever they lived. So, you know, you don't have to live in Virginia. And I've had people say, you know, is this something that I can do in a city? Um, I've also had people say, is this something that I can do in my tiny town? And the answer is yes. It won't look exactly the same um, as I did it. You know, if you live in a high-rise apartment building in New York or Washington, D.C., um, you may not meet your neighbors with the same plate of banana bread that I use to meet mine, but you may make an effort to say hi to your neighbors in the elevator or maybe you'll, you know, throw a, a party or something. Um, so all the ideas are meant to be things that anyone can apply wherever they live. And, you know, the, it's the idea of it that translates to all different kinds of community, communities. And they can be done very cost-effectively as well. You know, it's not, you don't have to spend a lot of money to do any of these things. Right. I, you know, I don't know that I spent hardly any money on any of them. Um, they were all, you know, as basic as simply walking where you live um, can make you feel more at home and, and like you know your place better. Um, you know, definitely sometimes throwing money at your town can make you feel more attached. Um, I tell the story of um, people who... Is this a $60 dinner that you didn't go to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, those, those, yeah, those are the things that I didn't do because I'm so cheap. Um, yeah, you know, like there are plenty of 
events and things that you can do that cost money. And I typically didn't do those because I am so cheap. But, um, <laughs> you know, I I learned to shop local, which had always been hard for me. You know, I was a diehard Amazon and Target buyer just because, you know, it's there and it's easy and I'm lazy and I don't like to spend a lot of money. But when I learned through research about how important local businesses were to your town's economic health, I -hmm. decided that I would make an effort to buy local. And I started with this this one store that's a couple blocks from me. It's a toy store called Imaginations. And I would go there sometimes, and I would rarely, rarely buy anything because I would just think, oh, it's kind of a little more expensive than I'm used to. But I finally decided, you know, I like that this store is here. I I love how unique it is, and I want it to stay. I want it to stick around. And if I want that, I have to put my money where my mouth is and yeah. buy things there. So I made the yeah. commitment that, you know, whenever my kids got invited to a birthday party, that's where we'd get the gift. And, you know, a couple years later, we're still doing that. And Imaginations is still around, so it's a good thing. I think they have an online presence. Yeah, they do. Yeah, because I've heard of them. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, I like that place too. So they have an online presence, and as long as they're doing yeah. well brick and mortar, as well as online, they can afford to keep maintain that brick and mortar. You know, right. they don't have to go back to being in a basement. What did you find was your, throughout all the things that you did, what was your favorite experiment to do? Um, so my favorite experiment was probably my least successful Um I learned all about this idea of creative placemaking, and it's um, this concept that a regular citizen can make their town better with some creativity. It looks a little different in every town. I've seen people who in some towns are, you know, putting up murals or they're building cool downtown plazas where people can gather with stages and they'll have art events and things like that. Um, I started learning about this, and I really wanted to do something in my town. I wanted to make something happen. And um, the way I decided to do it was my daughter, who was then 13, and I decided to start a sidewalk talk festival. We had seen it in another town in Texas, and we're like, that was really fun. Let's copy it and bring it to Blacksburg. So we went into this with really great intentions. And I quickly got in over my head and realized that um, the Sidewalk Chalk Festival was a little too much for me, and it wasn't going to turn out the way I wanted. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but in the end, you know, there was an art festival going on, and we kind of just threw some, some chalk on the ground and let kids draw things. Um, but it was, you know, really beautiful seeing that, um, you know, seeing this, chalk spool out on the sidewalk and make these beautiful pictures and it's feeling like I had been part of making something happen in Blacksburg you know and it it wasn't a big deal but um it was something new and and I was part of it and I loved that and it made an impact people got to see that there are you know different ways to do things and and you brought something new to them so I think that that is a great experiment that you did now one of the uh one of the things that you mentioned date, this is astounding to me, you state that by 2050, 85% of the world's population will live in cities. That is an extremely high percentage, especially since 60% of homeowners want walkable, bikeable neighborhoods, which a neighborhood to me 
is like the cul-de-sac that you said that you grew up on. That to me is a neighborhood. I understand when I go to New York City and it's like, okay, these people live in, you know, Tribeca or the whatever. The neighborhoods are the neighborhoods, you know, Soho and all that stuff. I get it. But they're not typically in a city, the cities that I'm thinking of, walkable or bikeable neighborhoods. They are more you have to go to a park to walk or play or ride a bike. So what is it in your research that constitutes a city in this statistics? Is it just the way that they're governed? Are they city government versus town government? Well, it's definitely the city town distinction is definitely a size distinction. You know, how many residents do you have? Um, And, you know, so that statistic about, cities, you know, it is referring to just the fact that we have more, you know, as population grows, things that start out as towns become cities. But I think it's also talking about um, the urban renaissance that's going on in in this country and around the world, that it used to be people didn't want to live in cities, and cities were dangerous, and they were dirty, and they were scary. And, um, you know, that's when suburbs became really popular in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Now, um, the energy is in cities, and especially young people want to move in cities into, you know, urban areas because it feels like that's where interesting things are happening. You know, they want to be there where interesting things are going on, and, and that's a city. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean the government because I grew up in the littlest or the biggest little town in America, and they still are town government, even though there's 80,000 people. They still run town government. They are not a city. They're not city government, and they like being that classification. So I thought, this must be based on government stuff, but it's not. It's just based on, I guess, how many people and what would constitute a city in the way that you said. So that actually makes sense, and it's a good segue because we're we're coming up to the top of the hour right now. I wanted to read something from your book that I think really tells people when you move a way that you can make yourself fit in if you just remember these words, and it's the very – the very first thing you, you see when you open the well, not the first thing, there's a couple of pages, but it's, it's one of the <laughs> things that's right in the front of the book, and it's by Joan Didion, and it's, A place belongs forever to whoever claims it hardest, remembers it most obsessively, wrenches it from itself, shapes it, renders it, loves it so radically that he remakes it in his own image. I just love that. I thought that was such a good quote that you put in the front of your book. I thought that was beautiful, and it really says a lot about how you can fit in, because if you can claim it, if you can claim anything and, and make it and shape it and love it so much so, it, it, you can make it your own, and it isn't all that difficult to leave because you can go on and do it again. So that, to me, was a very poignant quote in your book. So thank you for that. And I can't believe that we're almost at the top of the hour. But before we go, Melody, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they can purchase your book? This is where you belong. Yeah, absolutely. I have a website, which is just my name, MelodyWarnick.com. And it has all sorts of links to where you can buy the book. I have a blog there. And I just made a a book club guide. So um, I, I found that people love talking about 
place and, you know, where they've lived and where they want to live. Um, so we made a guide for people to talk about it in book clubs, and that's there too. That's great. That, that's really wonderful. I really do appreciate you taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio for a topic that, again, I had to be honest, I just didn't know there was a need. And once I got into the book, I said, oh, yeah, this is a need. I could have used this 13 years ago. Well, you know, where was it then? But that's okay. You know, it wasn't ready to be. I, I had to go through it on my own. I figured it out my own way. Right. <laughs> so Thank listeners. you so much. Oh, you are quite welcome. I, it, it, it's been fun. It's been a great show. It's been fun. Thank you. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you don't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life that we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. For more information on my other website, please check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where we believe we are making a brighter tomorrow by giving children a better today. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head. I got a warm place to sleep. When I remember how I got a family of friends. 
Give it. 